<laughs> okay, it looks like the pies are, are changing right here. We got a uh, rave people in the, we got four on here. And let me just plug in my mic. Okay. All righty, we got a very exciting topic, extraordinary topic. I mean, this is one that's uh, timeless, keeps on going. It's not something from the past, it's something that continues. Um, this year, 57, 57 M81 is the year before Shemitah, Er Shemitah, which means that uh, people are going to start. Uh, if you look online, there are already the agricultural websites in Eretz Yisrael have already started planning ahead of Shemitah. You know, how the government already is, is supportive of Shemitah in Eretz Yisrael. Times are very different than what we're going to read about, um, Baruch Hashem. But uh, it, the, the history of, of farming in Eretz Yisrael is very rich. There's a lot that happened since the first Aliyah in 1882. It's when you had uh, the first influx, the mass, you know, um, Aliyah, so to speak, which many of the of Hirsch spoke about, and then, then the Nitziv was very uh, proactively encouraging of it, um, of people moving to Hirsch Kalisher, and there's a whole history to how Klal Yisrael um, started going back to Eretz Yisrael, and it was very exciting times. Um, never had that happen since the time of the Churban There were always Jews living throughout the Ottoman Empire, and earlier on, um, there in Eretz Yisrael, but very much in a small, uh, in a small, small groups, um, mainly known as the old Yishuv, those many, many Jews who lived in Yishalayim and uh, the Yishalmis. Uh, but uh, to have many people living here in Israel, certainly farmers, that was unheard of. And here in 1882, you had many people coming to create something called the Yishuv Chadash. The Yishuv Chadash was basically um, unoccupied territory, which was bought by Baron Rothschild um, from the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire. Um, he wanted to cultivate the land and put 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 Eretz Yisrael back on the map for a Jewish homeland. This is before at both world wars. Um, they still felt that Kali Yisrael has got to get back there, and um, and it was tricky. It was a very uh, difficult endeavor. You need a lot of money. People did not have a lot of money back then. Um, he had money. He he invested. They say he invested over fifty million dollars in his time, which is, I don't even know the, the 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 comparison to today. Probably five hundred million at least. He had an extremely amount of money he invested in Eretz Yisrael in the cultivation of in the industrial market everywhere. He really believed that Eretz Yisrael is going to be the future, and he was right. What well, was he right? We, and uh, we're very thankful to Baron Rothschild, and we're going to see a fascinating. Um, Relationship that he had with the Godel Hadar, the Godel Hadar of Klal Yisrael at the time was none other than Yitzhak Ochan Inspector. And Baron Rothschild lived in France. And um, of course, that's what you know of the different wineries in Eretz Yisrael, both started by him. If you ever visited Zichron Yaakov, a chance to visit the Carmel Winery over there, I once had a chance to do that. Um, he, he, he was a, I don't know, I can't attest, I think he was a from yet. I mean, Yitzhak Ochanan certainly thought he was, and he encouraged him of, of, of Shmir's Hamitzvahs. But you also have to, we have to be cognizant of the times of who wanted to make Aliyah at that time, or the Haredim. There were small segments, small groups of Haredim, 
Um, but for the majority of the part, they were not. They were not. Um, They're not from Jews um, trying to settle Eretz Yisrael. And this is going to make a play a major role in determining you know, the future. How are these cities? You know, Rishon LeZion. I used to visit Rishon LeZion many times when I was a bacher. My cousins lived there. Rishon LeZion was the first Yishuv Chadash, the first city. Rishon, Rishon LeZion is the first city that Rothschild, I believe, established, you know, outside of the old Yishuv Yishalayim, um, and where he felt this is, we're going to start expanding, we're start building Eretz Yisrael. Okay, well, if Klal Yisrael comes to Eretz Yisrael, well, there are certain uh, tags that come along with it, and that's Shemir Samitzis. There are many mitzvahs that we, unfortunately, here in the Golas are not Zoycha to keep, and there are many mitzvahs of Tlius Baritz, which are now going to come back into play, which haven't been in play in many years. Yes, there were people living in the old Yishuv, but they weren't farmers. What, how did they live? How did they survive? We're going to see some very interesting uh, words exchanged, you know, about how, how they lived off of tzedakah. Many of the Jews lived there for hundreds of years. The Tamid of Rabbi Huda Chassid, not the Taisus Rabbi Huda Chassid, later Rabbi Huda Chassid, called Chalaka. Um, they were given, uh, they, they, people would collect for them in Eretz Yisrael, in, in Chutzlart, and the Gosling would send money to Eretz Yisrael. This was a prerogative of many Rabbanim in Europe. You know, if you became a Rav, you also have to know that you're going to have to collect, there's a Karen for, for Jews living in Eretz Yisrael to support them. Many Rabbanim of Hirsch, I know from what I read, it was very, very much you know, uh, endorsed the old Yishuv there. You know, some people were not so proud of it. Like, why are you living off of Tzedakah? If you can't support yourself, you don't move there. You know, the Chuma Sadashan famously wrote in the 1400s. It's a chuva that applies very much today. It's a chelik basim beiches. Someone wanted to make aliyah, and he said, listen, if you go there, parnas is very shver. We did that chuva? When we were talking about Mrs. Uh, right, thank you. Right, when we were doing Yom Tavshani, we mentioned that chuva, and says, thank you. It just comes to mind now, but yeah. And uh, good memory, Shimmy. And uh, he, the, you can't forget what he says. I mean, he says that you know, it's amazing to read it in the 1400s, but how people, it's it's risk, it's risky. You know, the, what's the, what's the purpose of man in this world? Is kizet right? Mitzvah um to be a yerushalayim, to be to fear, be fearful of Hashem, to keep his mitzvahs, and that's kizet kol adam shlom said. And he felt that if you move to Eretz Yisrael in the 1400s, you're gonna have, you're gonna endure troubles from the Arabs and from the Sephardic Jews, Jews that were living there at the time. And the Shemitah said, quite frankly, it's not worth your time making aliyah. If it's gonna come at the expense of your ruchnias, you don't do it just because it's a it's a nice thing to do. You don't do that. And uh, and this was an argument that was made back you know later on throughout the generations. Who, who told you to put a burden on us to live in Eretz Yisrael? We have to collect money from you. Okay, but this was the debate. Mitzvah Yishev, we, we, we docked that length during that, that series about the, the obligation, to, the mitzvah, how does it pertain today to live in Eretz Yisrael? Um, either way, that was for a long time. There were no farmers. So now with the first Aliyah in 1882, this, the, the, now people started becoming farmers and they wanted to know. You know, how should we proceed with Shumas and Myers and Shavias? And these are big shilas that were presented to the G'daylev. Um, We're going to, it, this is a huge, huge sugya. This packet in front of us is 26 pages, which I selected. You know, you can only imagine how much content there was um, written about this. It was a huge pulmus, a very um, 
I don't want to say sad, Rabbi Tzavachanan thought it was sad. It was, it was, it was hotly, hotly debated. And um, Baruch Hashem, I think there was, there was, there was uh, shalom at the end of the day. Um, but it was a major, major point of concern for Klal Yisrael. It was a big turning point. Um, and then as the land developed and more Jews moved in, it, the Shiloh only, became, you know, got exacerbated. And, um, and therefore, we'll see the progression of the halacha. The halacha somewhat changes as Klal Yisrael, you know, deepens its roots within Eretz Yisrael. And, um, and the G'daylam grapple with the different Shilas. Um, basically, just to give you an overview, we're going to be studying the, the letters of Rabbi Tzavachan and Spectre. Rabbi Tzavachanan writes in one of his letters that he spent two months with his son on the subject when the Shiloh was presented to him, right? He did not just answer it on the phone. And it was a major, major Shiloh. And he wrote an entire kuntras to, to explain his position, which we will see. Fortunately, we do not have this kuntras. Rabbi Shmuel Salant, who was the chief rabbi, and we're just going to explain the different people who the parties of this, of this conversation. Rabbi Shmuel Salant, was the chief rabbi of Yerushalayim at the time. He was definitely an ultra-Haredi, you want to call him that. And um, he, 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 he's going to have exchanged letters with Yitzchak Hanan. So you can imagine Yitzchak Hanan was like the Rashka Bahag. Like he was the leader of all, all Jews of diaspora. All the most difficult Shilas, they all went through Yitzchak Hanan. And, um, and Rishmo Salan knows that. He knows that he's dealing with a heavy hitter. But at the end of the day, Rishmo Salant is like the Gadol in, in Eretz Yisrael. He's the chief Rav there at his, in his time. Um, and uh, second, uh, maybe second to him, was the, the head of the Eide Haridus was Rabbi Shuleib Diskin. Shuleib Diskin was a very, you know, ultra Yerushalmi from the old Yishuv. He represented the old Yishuv. Um, after them, we're also going to be discussing, it's pretty much the same time. There are other Gedolim get involved, such as the Nitziv. Nitziv gets heavily involved, and Nitziv was again, like I mentioned, a big supporter of the Yeshiva Chadash, of the Aliyah Rishonah, of people moving to Eretz Yisrael. And at the same time, right, he's going to kind of, well, you have to deal with halacha. And this was, you know, people have, you know, they look back at the times, you know, talk about what did their cook think about the Had the Mechir? You hear of cook, oh, mom, oh, Mestamer of cook is one of the Mechilim. You hear that, right? Ezra Kok was a of Israel. He was a big believer in the establishment of the state. And as one could only imagine, this was a critical point in you know the future of of, of Eretz Israel. Uh, this was a this was a not just because it was highly debated, but for many, was, as it was claimed, as we'll see, this was a a uh, a pivotal point in in the infrastructure of of you know are farmers going to succeed or no. If the farmers don't succeed, then they're out of here. They're not planning on staying. And, um, and this was a, uh, a major, major point of, of concern for many G'daylam and others not as much. And this, this teaches us, you know, when, we, when we'll think about other scenarios that have, you know, since then, history, there's so much to learn from history um, and to see uh, how the G'daylam dealt with questions like this and people pose, you know, concerns you know, how do you deal with concerns, right? When someone tells you, oh, it's a terrible pikuach nefesh, we have to do something about it. And the Rav gets the Shiloh like that. It's pikuach nefesh. Is it really pikuach nefesh? Right, let's say you're a Rav and someone just to bring it down to modern day times and a doctor's in your show and the doctor says, Corona's mamish pikuach nefesh, the raisa, 
yeah, you know, you have to go at all, at all odds, just shut down the whole show. Like I'm just telling you the beginning of COVID right, in April, when we were having Vader, met many Vatarabana meetings about this, like, what do you do? You know, the doctor is saying one thing and there was a major, major divide within the Rabbanim here in Baltimore about how do you, how, how, how Sakana is this? How much of us, how much of a concern is this? How do you wait? You don't know yet. Hindsight will tell you a lot. But at the time, you know, the Gedalim are, are debating this. You know, how, how much is a Sakana? Is a Sakana? So these, this is, uh, I think, enough of an introduction before we, before, we, before we proceed. I do want to say here, the fascinating, um, the, the, the letters exchanged between Rav Yitzhak and some of the other Rabbanim. We're going to learn about some other Rabbanim that we haven't discussed and we don't, we don't really hear much about them in history. They played some, some uh, major roles here in this in this Shaila, um, we'll see some letters exchanged between them and Rabbi Yitzhak But um, But the letters that are compiled, it's found in the Chuvis Machun Yishalayim, put together Chuvis Rabbi Yitzhak Rabbi Yitzhak himself wrote Shaila's Chuvis Ein Yitzchak and Nach Yitzchak, but uh, they compiled letters and, and other Chuvis which were scattered in newspapers and other Svarim of Rabbi Yitzhak And that's where we have this compilation of about 12 letters here. Uh, we're not going to go through all the letters. I printed them here if you want to see. Um, I'll try to pull out the main, the main parts. Like I said, it's a very big sugya, and to cover the whole thing will probably take us through the entire Shemitah year. But uh, let's see what we could do. I think that definitely by the end of this series, we'll be much more educated next time we visit Eretz Yisrael during the Shemitah year, and also when we buy produce, right? Jaffa oranges and uh, peppers, they come to Baltimore too from Eretz Yisrael. And how do you deal with that? It's a, it's, a, it's a hot issue. I remember my first year in Eretz Yisrael when I was a Bachelor in Koltair. And uh, you go out to family and it's like, okay, well, what are we eating? What's wrong with Well, I don't know the first thing about Hetem Do I hold of it? Not hold of it? And and it's it can cause, you want to call it Shalom Bayes, it's, 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 it's a point of contention from in many homes in Eretz Yisrael. Um, Baruch Hashem today, I think there are, there is availability, but not that much. I remember the peppers in Shemitah year were not nice. <laughs> They're coming from the Arabs. And we'll also have to discuss that. You know, that's also an interesting shayla. Is, is it so pashat that Arab food that's grown in Eretz Yisrael, that's not there? That doesn't have Kedusha Shviyas? Maybe it does have Kedusha Shviyas. I'll just throw out one question, which we'll discuss is, Again, Shemitah means that these are, these are fruits that are grown in Eretz Yisrael. If they're, if they're owned by Gaia, do they have Kedusha Shviyas or not? And number two is, is do Gaim really own them? Do Gaim right now in Gaza and anywhere, you could, do they really own the plot of land that they're living on? The fascinating story that Rishon Zalman and the Rebaz deal about this. Do they own it? We own Eretz Yisrael, do we? Lalacha, who owns Eretz Yisrael right now? All those were in Gaulus, but but if we have, you know, Kedusha, Kedusha Shniya was Kitchel Ashaiti, the Kitchel Asalava, Ezra was Makadish, Eretz Yisrael, that's Kedusha. We never, we never willingly gave it up. We were driven out of there by the army. Well, how do you determine Bilas if there's a Kibush, if there's a war and you lose the war and you lose your land? Do you still own the land? Can you go back and claim it? Api Halacha, do you still own it? If Api Halacha, we still own it. Then all the Arab lands, quote unquote, that we're buying their produce from, all has It's all owned by Jews. They happen to be occupying the land, but it's owned by me, my grandparents. It's owned by Kali Yisrael. 
never thought of that. It's a fascinating Shiloh. And um, okay, please Hashem. We'll get to it. So I want to start here on page one. So the Machon Yishlaim gives us a short introduction. Um, gives us a few names. I think I covered, I really covered this, but I wanted to show you a fascinating thing. So we mentioned that in 1882, the first Aliyah, much of the, uh, the, that Aliyah was propelled by a group called Chovei Tzion. Chovei Tzion had from people part of supporting it and none from people supporting it. But look at this footnote five, footnote five on here at the bottom of page one. They say here as follows. A part, a portion of those who were involved in the Chovei Tzion, Call them the, the Enlightenment, the left wing. Again, it was it was a it was a conglomeration of of Haredim. There were many people who got together and said, "We need Eretz Yisrael." What, what does it make a difference whether you're from or not? There, that We could have a whole series on and of itself. Should you are you allowed to join Chovetzim? Are you allowed to band together with non from for a good cause, or are you not allowed to sit in a society together with? This was all done. That was not Sabramachlekes. But Lamaisa, there was a Chavetzian that included from and the non from. In the non from camp, says the phone here, they present the Shiloh of do we need to keep Shemitah and how are we supposed to keep Shemitah? Not with a full heart. They're not full, they're not with the best intentions. They describe the situation there in Eretz Yisrael, very colorful, but I think Koder is like piercing, like in ways that, you, you, the, the way that they would describe it to Rebbe Tzalkachonus and the Glim is, it's ma'amish ha'konis nefoshis, v'hatmunah she'hitkabla ha'itam sh'amatzav cherom, cherom, the picture, the picture that was, uh, depicted to the Gedolim at the time was it's an emergency, a state of emergency. Hagovel right? or which is you know it's a risk to life. This was seemingly a clear, uh, wicked, deceitful plan of the masculine. They basically set up a situation. The, they they frame the situation as being of sakonis nefashis. So they said, people are moving here. They need a parnasa. If we don't find a heter for shemitah, there's going to be a sakonis nefashis kuach nefesh. It says here, I don't know what this stands for. Yaakov Moshe Pinas shehikiret hametziut mikarov. He lived in those times. He writes as follows in the in in a newspaper of 1889. He says, Ki askane chovvetsin yadu, quote, Sheberov hamoshavas lohoisa haavoda mitaratsma nechutsa klav, the chovvetsin, who are apparently so pressed to have a heter for Shemitah, they knew that that year in 1889, the first, really going to be the major, the first major Shiloh of Shemitah when it was applicable, wasn't that pressing, nechutsa means pressing, wasn't that pressing to find a heter that year. They were actually neglecting the land. They were not taking care of it. There are those who found that to find a heter was pressing. We must find a heter right now. 
שאין עוד זכר לשוויז בדור הזה, דור די אבאסקו. They had an agenda. They were there to promote Haskalah, to get rid of Shemitah, get rid of Shviyas. So that's why they wanted this heter. They wasn't really pressing, but they presented the case to the G'daylim as if it's pressing, we need to find heter, we must, we must, we must. That way, we could just eradicate the whole concept of Shemitah. Because again, this was the Haskalah. They, and we're going to see a quote, but they knew that if we, if we have to start this off on what they claim the right foot, that this, this state isn't going to be an irreligious state. Listen to what he quotes here. He says, Moishaleb Leilenblum, Mehaskanam Haboltim Shalchom Etzion. One of the main, the main Askanim of Chovetzion, who was a Maskel, he writes as follows, Kotev Begilu Leiv. He says with a, completely you know, blatantly, Sheulai, perhaps, Al Yedei Hashvisa Darush Hayala Otziala Tmicha Ezalafim Frankim Yeserim. You know, regarding the, 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 the Shemitah year, it may have been worth it to spend a few thousand dollars. I don't know why they quote this line. I'm not sure what his point was. He says, To get all, you know, if it, if we, I guess if it was just a question of a few thousand dollars, we wouldn't, we wouldn't uh, make such a big deal out of this heter. The reason why I feel it's so imperative to find the heter is for a completely different reason. He says, Yodati es derech girei hahura shabanu. I know, I know the fearful, the God-fearing Jews who are a part of our uh, part of us. Valkain, and I know. Im yishbesu hakolonistim b'shmita arishayna. Like, and they lived in the, col- the colonies, they called them. The colonies is where, you know, the groups who were being supported by Rothschild. I know that those kolonistim, b'shmita arishayna, if they keep the first shmita, as I say, this gives a upper hand to those who are machmer. We can't let it happen. If, we, if this year goes by and we don't find the heter, that's it. We're doomed. People are going to start keeping shemitah. We can't give any opening. We can't give them any option at all for the Machmirim to get off the ground. We can't let Shemitah happen at all. We had all costs. We have to stop it. This is someone who's really up against and, and he was one of the leaders of the Chavitzim. He says, Moshe Leib Leilenblum, Darach Lavar, that's, that's from that's the Sefer, Orzos. They point out here, if that's the case, you should not wonder at all. They say in his name, the question wasn't just about Shemitah. This was an existential question. You know, to, pass, to, to, to be lenient on Shemitah meant, to a large degree, lenient on Halacha. If they if they if they gain ground, if they're able to put a foothold in this land, the maskilim, they're you know in this halacha they'll be able to give, do much more time. You see, shemitah doesn't count, trumas and doesn't count, and out goes the Torah. And therefore, this was a war. Shmuel felt not just on shemitah but on the entire Torah at large. So, what? Well, 
That's right. But again, if you want to establish a state, you can have a, you can have a certain belief. But if you know there are from people moving in, who's going to run the country? That was part. That was the big, big, you know, part of the debacle was, was who's who's going to take lead? Who's going to be in charge? Who's calling the shots? The Haredim or the Chilonim? This is before a government. There's no government yet. Correct, and the state doesn't happen until another eighty years later. The mindset, all right? Do are they going to have are they going to have shlut over here? So that's the question. The question is is Shmita requires, as the Torah says, farmers to not work the fields. You're allowed to eat foods of Shemitah. You're not allowed to sell produce of Shemitah. You're not allowed to work the land of Shemitah. We'll have to discuss which malachas are the rice and the rabbanan. There'll be enough kamina lalacha, according to your Yitzhakachanan and others. But, uh, but everyone agrees that there's going to be an Isser. Now, does this Isser, is this Isser the rice or the rabbanan? What Shemitah bizman hazeh? There's no Bezdin, there's no Yovel. Does it depend on that? This was another, this was a point of contention. We'll see, these are all sugyas, very important sugyas that we'll have to, we'll touch upon. What did the Yishuv do before? There were no farmers before the Yishuv Chadash. When they ate the food, the produce hurt Israel. Okay, so you're allowed to eat with Perishvius. Perishvius are mutter to be eaten. The, the question is, is what if it was grown? But now there's 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 in and we're going to talk about the different different classes of, of fruits and vegetables that are grown during Shemitah, which ones are allowed to be eaten, which ones are not allowed to be eaten. And, um, and yeah, they, they, all, they, they, they had what they were able to eat at that time. Um, soon from going, what? Before the Yishev, where they get it from? Presumably the Arabs. No supposed to come home, and that's, that's all Mutter. You know. um, We'll see a discussion about that, but I, I believe that that's where they got it from. I haven't seen anyone touch upon that point. This is all like, in 1889, what do we do? That's what we want to know. Yeah, the, this is a halacha. This is still debated today. This is a machlekes that will... You're saying even Oitzer Bezdin and things like that. Yeah, we'll have to discuss that. Okay, so Rabbi Yitzhak Achanan um, comes out with his first heter here, the first letter on page two. It was uh, written here on Chafbeis Kislev, right before Hanukkah, Tarfresh Memches, in the year 56, six, uh, 5688, which is 1888, in Kovna. Kovna is in Lithuania, remember? Rabbi Yitzhak Achanan is a Lithuanian poison. So who does he write his letter to? None other than Rishmo Salant. He says as follows: Kasher Higiani Harbi Mechtavim. I've received many letters, Levakish me many, who've asked me Sheertzali is dakeku laayin al dvarshnas shashvias haba leinu letayv eretz akdoisha. I have been, uh, you know, hounded with with all these different letters. So what do we do this coming year? What are we going to do? Ubenei hamoshavos to sham sheyesh lehem kramim rabim. And those, the colonies, the Moshavos, there who have many vineyards, again, that's a Rothschild invested in, vineyards especially, um, they're looking for advice. What could they do? What should, what should they do? I really can't, I, I don't have the ability to get too involved over here. 
He doesn't realize how involved he's going to get. <laughs> he said, I don't want to get involved. Don't pull me into this. This is a new, it's Dover Chadash. Right? He says, we haven't been in Eretz Yisrael in a long time. We're, we're starting this. We got a packet of 26 pages. It starts with Rabbi Tzachachanan. Who did he have to consult with? What Sfarim wrote on this before him? Um, he said, I didn't have much. Nevertheless, I acquiesced. I came out, I concluded that there's room, and then one should encourage, the sale of the karka of the land to non-Jews for two years. Don't sell it to them forever. Sell it to them for two years. I've explained this at length in my kuntras, which we don't have. So two years, let's, let's talk about the first problem. We've, I think we've mentioned some other problems. There are many problems here. There's an Isra in the Torah of Lai Sechanim. You're not allowed to, so Sechanim, the Shaykh is Chaim, showing favor. You're not showing favor to a guy. So there are many Yisurim that are, are, that are applicable nowadays that come from this law. One of them most famously is, is you're not allowed to give presents to a guy. Right, Lai Sechanim, you're not allowed to just go, go and give a guy a present. Okay, if you know the guy, if there's a relationship, that's a different story. But on the other hand, the Sifri, the, the, the Medrash, says there's another halacha. Lo, you're not, It's a Isr Daraisa of allowing a goy to dwell in Eretz Yisrael. To have, Chaniya means a dwelling spot, the ability to dwell in Eretz Yisrael. Okay, what does it mean to dwell? This is going to be a hotly debated point as well. Okay, so Rabbi Yitzhak Ochanan says, I can't sell my land to a guy forever. That's Oivran Loisachani. Not allowed to give him, not allowed to, they're going to be own land in Eretz Yisrael. Now, what if they own the land, they don't live there? It's another debated question. Is the Isser Chania that they have to live there? Or is it just, you know, if they live in uh, Nova Scotia, you know, from Canada, right? and then they just happen to own it, is that is that good enough? Or is, no, they're not allowed to, own That's also going to be a very, very interesting discussion of, of the parameters of Leisachanim. So two years, says and that takes care of it. Not so easy. Not such, a, not such a simple statement. Everything's shorthand here by Yitzchak Things are not long. You're going to see the response. The next letter from Shmuel Salant. This is this, this is the letter. Right again, Shmuel Salant is waiting for a, a psak from the God of Ador, and this is what he gets. What you're reading is what he gets. I worked on it, I don't have that much time, but I came out that, uh, sell it for two years and you're good. This is like a huge Shiloh. And this is the answer. Just sell it for two years. Little explanation, something, you're gonna see. Well, the, the year before and afterwards. Talk about why. I found Baruch Hashem, someone else who agrees with me. I found an Ikore Dinim, which is a Sefer. He cites this sack from a Sefer Shem and Hamor. I don't have that Sefer. 
However, What's a Shema Gedolem? Written by the Chida. That's, a, that's like a, a, a compendium of bibliographies. Biographies, excuse me. Short biographies of Gedolem and their spar. So it says, I never saw the Sefer Shem anymore. I don't own the Sefer Shem anymore. But I saw in the Chida Sefer, called Shema Gedolem, that, uh, you know, Shehizkiru, B'Shem Asasfarim. So it must be that it's a Chash of Shei Sefer. If the Chida quotes it, it must be a good Sefer. And therefore, What were they doing till now? I'm curious to know. You're living there in Eretz Yisrael. I don't have any sfarim on this topic. From what I come out, it seems like it's mutter. You sell it for two years, and I found the Shem and Ma'ar. I don't know who he is, but the Chita quotes him, and yeah, that's good. That's Ipsak. He gets from the middle there. He says, Ach, Yachel, could be that um, Yachel, there were no farmers, there were no uh, vintners, there were no known vineyards. I know this now, this question is applicable to many people. Maybe you'll find the safer over there in Yerushalayim. He just brings the psak. He doesn't bring anything more. I don't really know the logic behind his psak. And uh, I explained this very well. Please explain it to me if you find the safer there in Yerushalayim. I want to hear also your opinion. What do you think about this? But this is what I think. And he concludes that uh, this is my psak. Okay, here's the response of Rishmo Salant. We're going to go through the letters here. We're not going to get so much into the sugya, but just to, this is, the, this is how the sugya starts. We'll get us into the, into the thick of things. So Shmuel Salant opens his letter. He writes, responds on Chav Teves. So just a little bit less than a month. Um, I don't know if it took that long till he got the letter of Rebetzal Teretz Yisrael. I don't know how fast the, the postage went back then, but he responds about a month later. And COVID era, not bad. I know, I just got my, uh, my uh, Black Friday stuff this week. It's less than a month for it to get there and to see it. Well, no, this is this is when he wrote it. He penned the letter. It doesn't mean that Rabbi Yitzhak got it then. Okay, so he says, I got your letter. Um, and he says, You wrote very shorthand. <laughs> and therefore, um, I got to ask you more questions. Number one, Aleph. You only mention about vineyards. He says most of the lands that are now being cultivated in Eretz Yisrael, most of them are the grains. Rishon Lutzion. That's where they're planting grapes because that's all it could host. There's a difference between grapes and wheat. Base number two, in your letter, and he's, he's reading Rabbi Yitzchak letter like a Rishon, right? Every word counts. You, get, you, wait, you wait for this letter from the God all day, like every word is weighed. 
So you're right, then what should we do? We should sell the land, sell the property that go for two years. It's a way of, a nice way of referring to Rabbi Tzadokhan. Um, it, it appears that your opinion is as follows. Apparently you hold that if I sell land of Venerity for two years, I'm not in violation of Not a problem. It's only two years. Certainly in your in your notebook, in your in your safer on this. I haven't seen it. I'm sure you explained this. Scratching his head. I don't understand this. If you consider a mechir lezman, you sell something for a two-year period, it come, comes with a two-year deadline. It goes back. After two years, it comes back to me. If you hold that that's a mechira, so okay, do the which you'll see. You're not allowed to sell. Based on the you're not allowed to sell a field to a guy. You can't do it. So if it's a mechira, you're not allowed to do it. In the Ma'amad of Shach is Vim Einanech Shavis Mechir Lechalutin. If it's not considered a sale, Yesh Loimar Kinech Shavis Kishirus. It's a lease. You're leasing your property to a guy. Ushirus Einanech Knuya Leguf. So the guy, if you lease a land, you lease a property, you lease a car, you don't own the car, you don't own the property, you're a renter. Vinikra Sadashal Yisrael. And therefore, who owns the land? Israel, they're the initial owner. So what are you doing, Rabbi Yitzhak Khanan? Mamar Shah, how is this how is this heter machira? How's it working? If it's a sale, it's a sale and you're over on Khanim. If it's not a sale, it's a lease, and then you haven't gained anything. Second question. Eikhshu, in his humility, he writes, either way, belis suffik bikuntras and mevarasa kobutuv tam. I'm sure that you've explained this in your kuntras. Vim ulai bef shore lahatik gam lamanias kuntrasai. Is it possible for you to copy your safer? post. Oh, that'll be very kind of you. Furthermore, I don't understand. Um, is the idea that you're selling it to the Goyim and then the Goyim will work it, work the field for two years? Or is it like Mechir's Chametz, where I sell you my Chametz, but still in my house. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking charge of it. Is it a Mechir where transfer of ownership to the extent that now I'm out of, I'm out of the property and the Goy is in charge of all that? Or, or is this a Heter where I could still work the field? Major point of contention, I mean. Practically speaking, if you're a farmer, you finally get this Heter. Okay, good, I'm selling it to my Goyish neighbor. I knock on my neighbor. You know, okay, I have my rabbi said I'm allowed to sell you a field, right, for Shemitah for the next two years. Is it great? And then, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and, and okay, fine, what do you need me to do? Science, right? Yeah, but then you, I need you to take care of all my crops. I'm going to need you to plow. I need you to put, what? I, I didn't sign up for this. Like, for who says the guy, how many far, Goyesha farmers are you going to find who are going to be willing to do that? If you find the Goyesha farmer, he probably has his own fields. And you find the guy who doesn't have a field, he's not a farmer. That's so simple. Easier said than done. Sell to the guy who's if if they are. That's right. That's gonna be a discussion. 
the question is whether or not a Jew can work a field in general. As an individual, can you just work in a field? You're not allowed to work a semester on a Jewish field. Can a Jew work on a non-Jewish field? That's a separate discussion. Yeah, if the, that's that that's part of his question here. Does it mean a non-Jew has to do, or can a Jew work in the field that's owned by a guy? Correct. Correct. Okay, so that's another question which you didn't explain. You didn't explain. You always have to explain. We're going to see the ramifications of not explaining. I have to be as clear as you can. Vihina you do a po shemechiras karkois. If you make a sale, you start, you want to sell your land. So in Bezdin, you write up a whole star, it looks good and professional. You know, it's not going to work in the government. You know, the government's the zoning, whatever, they're not going to approve of this sale. It's not a legal bind, legally binding sale. Like a, with the law. To sell these fields properly, legally, it's impossible. It's literally impossible. We would not be able to do such a thing. He doesn't explain why. He says, Baron Rothschild, a famous donor, he doesn't want us legally selling this because who says they're going to sell it back to you? I mean, I know it's all this man, but you don't want to get involved in any legal sale here. We don't want to do that. We're not doing that. This is all going to be in the Shulchan Aruch. That's the only sales we're going to do. Those who are the settlers, how are they supposed to sell? They're living in the colonies. We have another technicality here. The farmers, the settlers, they don't even really own, it's not the, 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 the property, you know, the title's not under their name. There was a man, Erlinger, in Paris. He's the one who's, he's, the title's under his name. He's like the second in command to Baron Rothschild. And Baron Rothschild's the one who, commissioned Erlinger to, to, to be like the, you know, the, the banker, whatever you want to call him, the one who's, who's dealing with all the legalities. And he basically, all the title, all the properties under his name. Baron Rothschild is the one who's invested in the property. You know, it's under the name of Erlinger, but the people who are living there, they're not doing that. So, okay, maybe Erlinger should be the one who should sell it. Maybe there's a possibility of that. But he's saying is that, it, that the people themselves should not be doing this heter. The way that you wrote your letter, it sounds like every, the, the people are doing this. That's not going to work. If you give it to, you know, if, if, if somebody owns, owns the land and, uh, you know, a condominium, you know, a building and, and all the people who are leasing, they're the ones who are signing all the, all the papers. And it's like, wait a second, you don't own this land. What are, who are you? You have no bylaws. You have no control over it. So your, your, your contracts are meaningless. So that's a that's a point of that's a point to be aware of, says Rishon Shmuel Who's signing the document? Okay, now another interesting point. Hineni lahidia to the Rebbeitz Kochanan. I want to let you know shehisagti sefer Shem and Amar. I found the sefer Shem and Amar. Shahayarav the Sfaradim bechevron zekimei Hashanah v'yoter 
a little more than 100 years before, so in the 1700s, he was a Svarish Rav in Chevron. The Uv Dahavi Bechevron, yes, there was a case in Chevron. Sheish Echad Asher Hayle Kerem Chutzleir, there was a wealthy man who had a vineyard outside the city. The Hoyre Harav Bal Shemen Amar Shakoidim Shnas Hashmiti Yimkur Isaileni Yehudi, the Shemen Amar indeed Paskin, that uh, before the year of Shemitah he should sell to Nanju. The Hakoine Yavedes Hakerem at Achar Shnas Hashmita. The purchaser should he should work the field, the, the one who's buying the field, the guy who bought the field, he should work the field until after Shemitah, the Akhar Shnasa Shemitah, and then post Shemitah turn the page of Then the seller will get his field back, but in the interim, he's not working the field, the guy is. He talks about this at length. Indeed, like Rabbi Tzokachanan probably um, passed, held, that for two years, a, a sale for two years is not in violation of Leisachanim. And he does conclude that it's a, it's a mecher. You're not over on Leisachanim, but since it's a mecher, it works to be it's not a lease, it's a sale. We have to understand the mechanics. Why? Why is that not a violation of Lisa Khan? If you don't allow them to leave, allow, them to allow the allow the Jews to eat? Yeah, No, they, they can eat. No, the question is is but why is it not even Lisa Khan? Well, if if there's if there's no resources to be able to live there, yeah. they'll eventually pack out. Right. And then all the go ahead and take it over properly. Okay. So it's a little you're saying that's a uh, the lesser of two evils, right? Are you allowed to do that in halacha? That's not now. I'm not doing that now. And if I leave, is that ever leisachanim? If I leave, or if I is is leisachanim giving it to a guy, or just if I leave and they have to take it? Does that have to have to be an active acquisition to violate leisachanim? Okay, so this was, uh, so he said there's precedent. There's precedent for the Shiloh. The Shem and Hamar did, did, did indeed ask, it was Mekel and his Hetamachira for this one individual. That was, I guess, the first Hetamachira that existed. And, uh, but he, again, he, he required that the Goy work the field. This doesn't really, it's not really relevant, the Shiloh of the Shem and Hamar to these colonies. It's impossible to sell to the goyim, and the goyim will work it. Apparently, it's not, not applicable. For many reasons. They don't trust the goyim to run the show. For two years, you want me to let the goyim take care of my field? I don't trust him. Even if it's just for one year, they don't want to trust the goyim. They don't want to give them a star mechira. That's what's going to happen. The whole your whole hetter falls apart. Um, many other colonies where the main practice there is 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 plowing and planting. and vegetables. 
For vegetables, apparently, it's more, it's more difficult than just crumbing. I don't know why, but certainly it'll be more difficult to find going to take care of them. The previous summer, the summer of 1888, Baron Rothschild came to pay a visit to Yerushalayim. Baron Rothschild came to my house on Shabbos. I told him in the name of all the residents of Yerushalayim, we are very thankful that you're really trying to ensure the observance of Taira Mitzvah in the colonies. We're very thankful of that. And Baron Rothschild responded to me, He really, really wanted to do this with, with uh, real sincerity. And he told me a story that happened, that there was, in fact, one Jew in Rishon Lezion who wasn't keeping Shabbos. I told them they got to kick him out of the, out of the city. Oh, I see you're keeping to your word. You're really trying to keep keep Tyre Mitzvahs or and to ensure that, the, that, that your inhabitants in your colonies keep Tyre Mitzvahs, which is very critical in determining whether what we need to do to ensure, you know, when you know the parties that you're playing with, you, you, you know what to expect, right? What are they going to accept? Are they going to accept? Do I, do I have to lower my standards, you know, so that we could find common ground or no, you know what? This person's willing to, to he wants the real deal. He wants the chumras and, you know, in halacha as well, you know, sometimes the rav gives a shayla, gives a psak, the person, you know, is asking the shayla, you have to know who's asking the shayla. Right, what could they handle? Right, if they are, are they sincere? They're, they're, they're yirei shamayim. So then you, you they're, they're willing to hear a chumra, right, that they want. When I say chumra, it's more of a that, that for them to keep chumras. Someone who can't, you know, they don't tell them chumras. Like it's, that, that's part of, you know, and, 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 and many is knowing who you're talking to. Right? What are they, are they going to listen or not? If it's a Davisha Eaf Shalishmaya or Davisha Ef Shalishmaya. So Rabshmo Salant is basically why is he telling us this? Why is he telling you this? I had the baron over for Shabbos, and you know, we thanked him for that, for keeping for that that his colonies are, are keeping tire mitzvahs, and he told us he's a church. Why is he telling him all this? Right? He's telling us because. Basically saying, you're telling Rizal Khanan, why are we being so makeal? Why are Rizal Khan's grain this hatter? Why? You know, it's not easy to give the hatter. And we see we have the person who's in charge of the whole thing. He's on our side. He's out to do good. He's out to keep time. Why are we being so lenient? Let's conclude the letter here. During that conversation, he got it to I told Baron Rothschild. There are many more, more mitzvahs that we need them to keep. Etc. Etc. I told him that. Ben Rothschild responded in the affirmative, yes, absolutely. I told all the colonies that they must listen to the rabbis of Yerushalayim.
Okay. So he says, hey, we have the jurisdiction here. Right? Not Harav. Uh, it's referring to Mr. Asavitsky and verse um, Vermasser, the, I guess the generals, the, the, the heads, the chiefs of the, of the colonies, they came to me. They asked me what my opinion is about Shemitah. In Rishon Lutzion, there's only vineyards over there. They got to hire a Talmud Chacham to sit there and pass in Shilas for them. It's gonna, they're going to have Shilas day to day and they need, they need someone there who's going to guide them. He says, to, to enhance the health of a tree, that's Asr and Shemitah. To preserve a tree, that's Mutter and Shemitah. The other colonies which require fields to be plowed and planted, no, there's nothing you can do. You just got to leave it there. Because again, if you have a vineyard, you have, there's upkeep. As opposed to fields, once you, you know, you can go drive on Old Court and you'll see the fields are, once they're harvested, there's nothing left. And you got to replant, you, you start again. So there's nothing to, there's no upkeep. There's nothing to do. There's just Shiloh's is, do you plant or you don't plant? And no, he says, no planting this year. We're not doing it. That's what I told them. I told the, the heads of the colonies. From what I've heard, I've heard the people in Petach Tikva are also ready to keep Shemitah. This is going to be the first big year of Shemitah here in Eretz Yisrael. And says Rishmo Salant, <coughs> I'm building a case for you to, to, to demonstrate that we're ready to keep Shemitah. V'Hashem yitkenenu be'eitza toiva la'asugi shemaitza li de'milchsa. And basically, says Rishmo Salant, you know, what's the problem? Why are we, why are we searching for a heter? Why are we running to find a heter of Mechir over here? And this is part of the basis of why are we doing all this? Like, what's the, what's the point of this? Is, are, are there ways to circumvent, you know, the losses and, and other things? People are ready, people are ready to, when a person's ready, to take on Chomer, the person you'd be a Yerushalayim. We don't just find coolest because, hey, I got a cooler. That's not, that's not how we remember. We have an opportunity to do a mitzvah. We're going to see the Anshu Yerushalayim, especially the Kanoyim, the Kanoyim, Rabbi Shulayim Diskin and his faction, of, they write about, we've been looking for this day. We've been looking towards this day. You know, on one hand, you believe, and, and this was an interesting thing, it says it in the Mavo there, take a look in the introduction. The, the colonists believed that if we don't find a heter, the establishment is gone. Right? We will not be able to cultivate the land. People are going to leave. It's going to be back to square one. And the Anche Yushalayim, the Haredim, felt fakert. He said, we've been waiting for this day. Eretz Yisrael has been waiting to, for Shvisa for thousands of years. You want the success of Eretz Yisrael to happen? Don't plant it. Finally, someone owns a lot of land. <laughs> we'll see the tshuva of Redvaz, Beis Hashem. The Redvaz was Rabbi Yaakov David Velovsky, who, who, if you've learned Yerushalmi, he wrote a parish in Yerushalmi, very famous parish in Yerushalmi. 
And um, he traveled to Chicago and New York to collect money for his parish in Yishalmi. He was a rough in, in Europe, and then he moved to Tzvas. And he, he, when you learn Yishalmi, what are you spending time mostly on? Most of the time, is mitzvahs of Tlis Baritz. He was a big bucky. He was very excited about this, and keeping mitzvahs in the uh, mitzvah of Tlis Baritz. And he was so upset about this at the Mechira. He felt, no one, finally, we're here, and no one's keeping Shemitah. What's what the Kaj Baruch going to say about it? Like my children finally are here and they're not keeping Shemitah. So at the end of Zakdam, he says, you know what I did? I got up and I went to purchase my own plot of land. And I did it on behalf of Kal Yisrael. I said, I said, I told Hashem, I'm buying this, this plot of land for Kal Yisrael because Kal Yisrael will keep Shemitah this year on this plot of land. At least they have something. So it's you also have to realize the feelings of of, of the emotions behind here, right? So yeah, halach is halacha, but there's also a sense of what Kaisel has been waiting to keep shemitah. We we got to make sure it happens. Find some way, something. How can we let how can we let this go by this year of shemitah with just the hetter when we finally have the opportunity to keep shemitah in perspective? And this is what this is what they felt is going to uphold. The, the success you know, to, to maintain it and give, give Eretz Yisrael a chance at survival and to be productive. Okay, so Beis Hashem, next week we will see the response of Rav Yitzhak O'Chanan to Rav Shmuel Salant and, uh, and start getting into the sugya. Beis Hashem. Go deeper. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't go on Hachashmitah. No, I mean, like, they were living in spots five hundred years ago. Yeah, they didn't have fields, it doesn't sound like. Yeah, the question you asked before, what were they eating? Some of them were eating field, you know, fruits from the guy. Or if they got it from Lebanon or Syria or, or elsewhere. But um, I haven't, uh, I, have, I have yet to see, you know, history, you know, records of what exactly they were doing until then. This is more about the cultivation of the land versus the actual fruits. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, that's a discussion. That's right. We'll we'll see about it. We'll see. The Ritzvahs is a little more machmer on this. There were some things we make all about the pay race. And... That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Right. And, but now, and also, once you have farms that are cultivated by Jews, what's the halach of those fruit? Is the fruit aser? Sir, let's see. Basic rank dance this needs more makele. We'll see. We'll see the development of the Shiloh. Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay.